It's Lucy Litch, and this is Tiny House Conversations. It's the Australian-based podcast where I interview experienced tiny houses, tiny builders, and adventurers in the tiny world, so you can discover how to create, build, and transition into tiny life. So you want to go tiny, but you might be wondering, where can I park my tiny house? I want to let you know that I have a special unreleased podcast episode of tiny house parking success stories from other tiny houses who were just like you and who have easily managed to find a long-term parking space for their tiny home. Some of them have even found more than one space. So if you want ideas on finding a parking space for your tiny, you can download this episode for free. To get access to it, head over to tinyhouseconversations.com forward slash tiny parking. If you enter your details there, I'll send it straight to your inbox. Now let's intro today's episode. Hey, it's Lucy bringing you another episode of Tiny House Conversations. Joining me on the show today is Marie Berenger, who is an experienced tiny houser originally from France and is living in Auckland, New Zealand. Marie DIY built her tiny home with the help of some friends and is currently doing an apprenticeship in carpentry. Marie's DIY story is so inspiring and in this conversation we talk about where to start when it comes to DIY building a tiny house, Marie's off-grid setup and the challenges of creating a self-sufficient life, how Marie found a parking space for her tiny home, We also talked about women in building and carpentry, a realist misconception about living in a tiny house, and so much more. So on to the show with Marie. Hi, Marie. Thanks for joining me on Tiny House Conversations. It's so good to have you here today. Uh, Hi, Lucy. It's so good to be here. So Marie... You live in a beautiful tiny home in Auckland, New Zealand, but you're originally from France. How did you first end up in New Zealand? And then where did you first hear about tiny houses? I was studying environmental science in France and I needed for the end of my study um, to do like a few months um, internship. And my mom has a restaurant that is on, um, it's like in between beautiful lakes and the top of a mountain. And there's a lot of people that hike. There's so many people from everywhere around France. And she said, there's so many people coming in the restaurant. Why don't you advertise that you need an internship in the mirror on the, like in the toilet? Because everyone goes to the toilet and everyone wash their hands. So they're always going to read if there's something written on the mirror. One day, um, a girl who um, has done an internship in New Zealand, she saw the advertisement and she came up to my mom and said, if your daughter is interested, I've got, I know a company that are taking interns and it's like a wastewater treatment plant. So it's like, it was exactly what I was studying at the time. And so I came to New Zealand for that internship and I absolutely love the country. And um, when I came back to France, I came back for like a year. And after that, I was like, yeah, I'm done with France. I need to go to New Zealand. It's just, I was in love with this place and the people and everything about this country is amazing. So after that, I, yeah, I was here for a few years. And then I think it was on Pinterest uh, or YouTube. I saw pictures of a tiny house on wheels and I started just being a bit obsessed with it for another few years and I was saving up for 
for it, I guess. Um, as I had a full-time job um, for probably five years. I was annoying everyone that I was meeting about tiny houses and with my dream to build a tiny house and one day I'm going to do it and blah, blah, blah. So that's how, that's how I, I heard about tiny houses. It was a really small movement, I guess, a few years back and then now it's very mainstream. Yeah, it is for sure. It's definitely picking up momentum over this side of the world. And I'm wondering, because I know that you built your own tiny house. So what was it that made you decide first, like that you wanted to go down this path and then actually build your own doing it yourself? In the tiny house movement, I guess people are just out of nowhere. They decided they're going to build a tiny house without any experience. I think that's a cultural thing. Like in France, you can't do anything if you don't have a degree. Like you can't just build a house. <laughs> if you're not a builder, you need to be an engineer or study for five years, something special. So when I'm, I came here and I saw those YouTube videos on people that started in America or New Zealand, um, of those people starting their, their own tiny house build, I'm like, can you actually just do it like that? Like out of nowhere, you just decided you, did, you just decide you do it and you're doing it. I thought it was absolutely crazy and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do that too because it's the coolest thing on earth to just build your own house like without anyone like telling you what to do really. So this is how I decided. It was just like an incredible challenge and I think in a weird way, everyone should be able to build a house or like a, anything really, like be able to use your tools um, and fix things. Um, it's an incredible skill. So I was like, well, I guess if I can build a tiny house, I can build anything. So yeah, that was the inspiration. I was just blown away by those people that just decided that it was possible to do something like that. Yeah. And I love how you said that everyone should be able to do this kind of thing, because I, it made me think about, I, I often talk about, and just in my own life and uh, philosophy that I kind of live by is like looking at uh, the way that our ancestors lived and, and you know, who are we as humans? And it seems to be that there is this innate capability, although maybe we've lost it along the way of like having to build our own shelter and grow our own field and build a fire and these types of real primal things that made us human. And so, but then on the other hand, there can be this like mental limitation of, oh, I don't know if I can actually do that. That would be really hard and it's out of my comfort zone and all these types of things. I'm wondering if you experienced any of that for yourself. Like you, you said, you liked, you, you did it because it, you know, it was going to be a good challenge and all of that. But did any of these like mental limitations come up at the same time and you're like questioning things or did you, or you just like, no, nah, I'm just going to do it? A bit of both, actually. I was like, there's no way I'm not doing it. At that point, I was like, this is <laughs> happening. <laughs> um, but it was, it was so nice actually to feel like it was the right thing for me. Before that, I had all of those doubts about like anything I would take on in life. I was like, I'm probably not good enough for this. Like, I'm probably not going to be able to do that or teach myself this skill. Building my tiny house because of those people who were doing it, I was like, okay, I guess it's possible. And then I was thinking like this if I can build a tiny house <laughs> myself, I can probably do anything. So it was like this I wanted to prove myself and anyone else because I had no experience. I am. I'm not that kind of person that can just um, pick up something really quickly. Like you've got some people that just start playing guitar and after three months, they just amazing. Like I cannot teach myself anything in general. It's such a cool skill. And I was like, okay, if I can do this, then I can become that person that actually is possible to start a project 
And with the right mindset and organization skills, you can just, it's just steps, you know, like building a tiny house is just a set of steps and you just follow a plan. And so it's kind of everything in life like that you want to achieve. It's kind of this just baby steps, not necessarily seeing the big pictures and that gigantic challenge that you have to finish. It's just like, okay, what do I have to do now? And it's such a good, like a good thing to know to do anything so like starting a podcast I guess for example that's like (laughs) amazing as well um and it's just following steps but when you see it it just looks like something amazing something that's really hard to achieve it's a good um school of life I guess to do it this way but yeah I had heaps of doubts but I knew it was the right thing to do it sounds like you were you felt that deeper calling okay this is the right thing for me this feels really aligned but then at the same time just as it happens often throughout life like the mind does come up and you know the questions start to come in and the doubt starts to come in but if you keep listening to and feeling that inner calling and just kind of keep moving forward from there and making decisions from there um you know obviously really beautiful things can happen and now you've built your own tiny home and that's that's such an, an inspiration and i also love how you talked about how it can be this I guess I can see the metaphor or the mirror for everything that we do in our lives, you know, one step at a time, breaking things down into small pieces. And then all of a sudden these small things add up to big things. And and then you've built your own tiny house or you've started a podcast or you've done this project or whatever it might be. So yeah, I can definitely feel that it, and then you you look back at, you know, just how far you've come to, and it's like, wow, <laughs> you know, didn't think yeah. I was capable of this, but now look, look what I've done. And, and you talked about challenges i'm i'm curious uh, what were maybe some of the challenges you experienced during the actual building process obviously um there is many of them because um you're doing something new and you kind of guess well you know what to do but um you're never a hundred percent sure challenges would be i just made so many mistakes (laughs) but I love to see when those uh, those people who are telling me about tiny houses they build, they're like, oh, it was sweat and tears. And um, But for me, I I made like probably a thousand more mistakes than anyone else who would build a tiny house. So funny. But I, like, I don't think I cried once. So I was sad once because it just taught me to be very resilient. And I was like, I was expecting to make many mistakes. I was like, I don't care. It's just going to take me the amount of time that's necessary, but every mistake I'm going to learn from it. And I'm going to be able to tell someone else (laughs) I made that mistake. Don't make the same mistake, but it felt so right to start this project that um, every mistake I was like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just learning and, and that's great. So I had a really cool mindset during that project but I think it's just because I was so happy (laughs) to do it I was like oh well it's fine um (laughs) and I was like so proud of myself for building a tiny house so the entire time I was like it's fine everything is okay I'm happy so yeah yeah and and I'd say also maybe because you're also working on something that's like really meaningful to you and there's a purpose and that you know, even if it's challenging you kind of pick yourself up and you just keep going and you just go okay as you said it's going to take as long as it needs to take yeah. and, you know, you would have learned so much along the way. So that's really cool. And and I'm wondering as well, so I know that you talked about, you know, you obviously saw a lot of people online doing their thing with building tiny houses. Where did you actually start when you decided, okay, I'm going to do this? Like what were kind of some of the first, 
couple of steps that you took when you actually decided this is what I'm going to do? It's like everything, like if I talk about my tiny house, everyone is like, oh, that's amazing that you build your tiny house and you did all of that thing. But uh, I talked about it for like five years before I started. I was thinking about it for five years. I was like, what am I going to do? Where do I start? I don't know anyone in New Zealand. Like I was by myself. Um, I didn't have my family um, or like a building builder uncle or like my dad would help me or someone that would know I knew no one and uh, I think the thing maybe I made like a bedside table with two crates like glued together that was like my only building um, background <laughs> before I started I saw an advertisement on Facebook on a tiny house workshop and I think this is where most people start because there is a lot of resources on internet on YouTube but um like sorry usually youtube videos on people building their tiny houses but usually it's in america so it's not really the same as here so you can't really find everything on internet so i'd say um for anyone that wants to start a tiny house like a tiny house workshop is usually the way to go and what i learned it was amazing like it was the best decision of my life to go into those i think it was two weeks at the time I learned basically how to use all the power tools I needed and also um, didn't really learn how to build a tiny house. I learned how much I would struggle to build a tiny house. <laughs> we were building two amazing tiny houses during those two weeks. It was only like the shell of the tiny house so nothing inside, just the cladding and the framing and um, the flooring for the trailer. It was too amazing, the very complicated design. So I saw um, those carpenter and professional builders like struggling a little bit on like, you know, just how to do this or that. And it was just really, really good to see them fixing mistakes or struggling because it wasn't like a lie on like, this is easy. Like we just do this and this and that. Um, and I was like, okay, I need to have a really simple design and I need to be very organized about the next step. So I'm not going to struggle so, so much. But uh, it's normal on the building site to have mistakes and fixing them. But I have never been on a building site. I don't know what's happening there. So just seeing how the builders are working and how they think to solve problems, I think that was um, one of the good skills I got from that workshop. And from there... I met a few people that were really passionate about tiny houses that I think it's a friend of mine. He um, he had a, another friend that had a place where I could start building my tiny house and he also had tools. So I borrowed his tools for a while and one of the builder said yes to kind of coach me, I guess, mm -hmm. um, help me with my build. So it would just always be on the phone with me when I needed it. I would call him like, oh, what kind of um, nails should I buy for this? And he would come like once a month for a weekend to just help me with the heavy lifting. And if there was a big step, he was there to make sure that the, ha the house was actually <laughs> weather tight. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just, I guess, if you build a tiny house, the most important part is just to make sure water can't, cannot get in and it's strong enough. And then once you're inside, um, then you can basically do most of everything yourself but for this part because I was really like new to the tiny house world I really wanted someone to actually to at least check what I was doing so those were the first steps I took tiny house workshop find a support group I guess and then from there yeah you just the hardest part is to start so once you feel like 50% confident you can do it um, you should start it and everything is kind of gonna I guess like fall into places slowly but yeah the hardest the hardest thing is to start 
I feel like that's always the the hardest thing for a lot of things, right? It's like you know you want to do it and it's it's just literally starting it, even if you fall over straight away and you just gotta get back up and, and start it and put the steps in place. And yeah. I know that you're living off grid. So are you are you able to share with us a bit about what kind of setup you have for things like solar, water, your toilet, that kind of thing? Yeah, so I could again talk about talk about it probably for two days. <laughs> all the mistakes I'm making as I'm going um, into that journey of self-sufficiency. Because my background is um, like environmental science and our generation, like everyone that's been born in the 90s, I guess, we grew up with like all of those movies about the end of the world and climate changing and all that stuff. So it kind of like, I don't know, I feel like I grew up with that weight on my shoulder that had to do something about it or that was our generation job to change things. So I always had that, I don't know, that um, that feeling that I had to take care of my own waste, I guess, and just make my own energy or just try to catch my own water just because why would it that responsibility would fall on someone else? Because I work in a water treatment plant as a job before I started building my tiny house. I know how hard it is to treat water and the process and how precious drinking water is and how you can actually use all of your waste um, to make energy, but it's a lot of work. I guess life is a playground and why not play with everything you've got around you? So my mission was to try to have a footprint that footprint that's maybe not high I guess so I would try to make my own energy and try to recycle all of my waste so I've got rainwater catchment um there's a shed not too far from um, my house that I'm renting as well so I've got a water tank there and then I'm treating all of my gray water outside my house I've got like a few different things how can I summarize this <laughs> to be simple? Um, it took me months to make this thing, but um, pretty much I'm just making sure it's treated and filtered. And then it goes into my garden and all of my black water, which is usually from your toilet, that goes into a digest. It's called a digester. So uh, basically it's a big black plastic bag and there's no air in it. So what's going to happen, it's like the opposite as uh, I guess the compost. Um, there's no air in it. That means that the, there's bacteria inside of that um, bag that are going to make methane. And you can collect that methane in another black bag. And with this, you can cook, I guess, with the gas because it can be used to um, create a flame and you can cook from it. So I'm also experimenting with this. I've got different system in place. And again, there's not a book like with instruction on what to do. So you just have to try and um, fail and try again. So my <laughs> it, my system is still like, I'm still um, learning and, um, and making sure everything works. But there's plenty of things that it's not a big deal. But for example, like one day I unplugged my pump that was pumping all of my waste in that digester. So there was a little bit of a drama and then another day what was oh um, I think there's a leak in the gas uh, bag as well so I need to fix that but obviously not it's not like a full-time job but not far but it's fun it's something that I really want to get good at and again there's not a school to be self-sufficient so you have to um, discover all of the things that you can do and the things that don't work but yeah, it's 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 really fun, and I hope one day I'll be good enough so I can maybe teach people or show people how 
how to um, be a bit uh, more self-sufficient. But, yeah, for now it's just every day I've got a new joke for my friends about <laughs> what goes right or what goes wrong. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I'll bet. And are you using solar panels as well? Yeah, yeah, that's true. I've got a solar pa- um, solar power. How would you say that? Solar panels. I've got yeah, solar, solar panels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't have enough sun, I can actually plug um, my house in the mains. I've got like a hybrid inverter. So you can either decide if you want to use your solar panels or if you want to be plugged in the main. But yes, I just uh, research a lot of like companies that we're doing solar panels and things like that in New Zealand. And there's a company that does kind of DIY um, systems. So I tried that, obviously had an electrician to install it. So far, it's so, so good. You turn the light on and you're like, oh, it's just the sun. Like it's just such a good feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it turns off and you're in the middle of your hot shower, that's not <laughs> as fun. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm learning. And uh, yeah, sometimes there's very cloudy days um, for a few days and um, I need to plug my house and things like this. But yeah, it's, it's so nice to be able to actually um, produce your own electricity and power. The company that you mentioned that helped you with the DIY solar, just in case anyone is interested, do you have the name of that company? And I can put a link in the show notes. Yeah, it's called uh, Great Free. And um, I love their story. They're a really, really cool company because they started out, they wanted to have a solar system um, on their farm, on their family farm, and they couldn't find anything affordable. or So they just started their own company, <laughs> which is pretty cool. And they, their goal is really just to do cool stuff and help people with their um, solar system and small, um, tiny houses like me, I guess, because usually it's big setups for big houses. And they just, they made everything really easy for me to understand because I cannot understand electricity. At all. It's just, uh, I'm, I study biology and as soon as you talk to me about electricity or power, my brain just goes, no, I can't understand that. So it was really nice to have them kind of helping me along the way and telling me, yeah, you're going to be able to power this and this and this, and you just have to plug this in and you're fine. <laughs> Very <laughs> easy. So, yeah. I feel you there. I feel like I'm the same as well. And thank you for that because I love a good recommendation. And, you know, with the digester that you talked about where you turn the toilet waste into cooking gas, is that a home biogas setup that you have? Yes, that's it. It's a really cool company as well. Usually you just use um, your, what do you say, your food scrap and you just put it in the digester. Um, But I'm using my toilets are connected to it and I've got a waste disposal. Is that how you call it? Yeah. 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 So because I was, when I designed it, I was like, I'm too lazy to just take all of my scraps outside and put it in the digester. So I thought I would connect um, a waste disposal to the digester so I can put all of my scraps and it goes straight into the digester. So this also, yeah, it's, it's working um, so far. But <laughs> I've seen it before. I saw someone do like both incinerator and a, a toilet going into a digester. Yeah. And again, I study that um, at school. And for my internship, I study digester and wastewater treatment plants. So for me, it's kind of fun to, I have to, because I study that, I feel like I have to experiment and just try new things. So, but yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it sounds like it. And I'm also curious, because, uh, you know, you're in Auckland, so what do you do in the winter for heating and then what do you do in the summer for cooling? I had the great idea to, I had my 
um, house was painted brown and I didn't like it. It was just stained. It's shadow cloud outside, so it's just ply. And it was um, painted brown and I didn't like it. So I painted black, but now it's very hot in summer. So in summer, I just have a fan inside the house and like the doors and the windows are always open. I'm always outside. And in winter, literally, if you make a cup of tea um, or turn the oven on for five minutes, it's just really, really hot, really quickly because my Mm -hmm. tiny house is so small. So if I've got an advice for anyone who is designing their tiny house, think about temperature as one of the main concerns because you just want to be comfortable in your tiny house. And if it's big enough and you can afford like an AC unit and a heater, definitely go for this. And also some kind of device that is going to help you um, renew the air inside your tiny house. I've got like a fan on the wall, but it's um, heat exchange. So it constantly renew the air inside the house uh, without losing the temperature inside so if it, I can change it if it's hot inside I change it cold air come inside and if it's uh, if I want to keep the warmth inside the house it just like renew the air but without the cooling of the air coming from the outside I don't know if what I'm saying is making any sense but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, AC units usually if I'm not wrong, they don't renew the air inside your tiny house. And you're living in such a small space. You want the temperature to be perfect, but you also want it to be really healthy. And often people um, overlooked air quality. You just, um, you can have like, I guess, a window open all the time. But um, you can you can have those system. Um, my one in my tiny house is called Lunos. And it's just like a, a, a fan that's really um, discreet as well. And it just renews the air all the time because also it gets, it can get really um, humid. So I think it's super important to know what a healthy home is and of course design it around good insulation and things like this. But do your research and know what you want as a healthy home, like what's healthy home for you if you want heaps of plants, if you're not toxic um, paint and things like this. So, and again, like what you said, temperature is super important. So just really think about that when you design your tiny house. I would change a few things if I could. <laughs> yeah. What, what, so what would you change? To save money, I um, bought my windows um, secondhand and I designed my tiny house around my windows. And obviously a window that doesn't open is less expensive. So I've got a really big window in front of my um, bed and it's beautiful. I've got a beautiful view. But if I knew that um, it's really, really nice to have like a breeze inside your house, like all the time when it's hot in summer, I would have bought a window that opened because I've got a small uh, window that opens on the side and my door, but having a third window would have probably changed a lot of things, but I just didn't think about it at the time. So um, think about the placement of your window if you design your tiny house because cross breeze is something that can save you a lot of energy or like you don't have to turn on your fan and things like this. It's, yeah, there's small things that... (laughs) you need to think about but that I there's not a lot of things I would change but a few things about temperature definitely yeah yeah I guess it's always when you not until you move into the place and then you learn these different things you're like oh I could have done it like this or I could have done it like that and yeah and so you mentioned before so the cladding you said it was ply is that right yes and then the framing (laughs) as well what have you done for that it's timber so it's just basic a basic um 
timber framing um, because it's easier to work with than steel. And I also wanted to build my own frame. I was like, yeah, why not? It looks like fun. Um, and yes, the, <laughs> my cladding, so what's going outside of my house is what we call shadow clad, so that type of ply, and also um, corrugated iron because I I built my roof myself, so I put uh, roofing sheets on and I drilled it in the wrong place. <laughs> So I had to like take everything off and uh, to recycle, I guess, that material. I put it half on half of my house is kind of metal, like um, iron sheet on the outside and shadow clad on the other side. And one of my friends um, came and helped me <laughs> redo it. Another of my many mistakes. But I learned now I know where to put the screws when you um, install your roof. <laughs> so you know for next time if you have to do it again. What size is your tiny home? You mentioned it's a bit smaller, but yeah, what size is it? So it's really small because, again, what I learned from this tiny house workshop is um, if it's your first time, just build a very small box or as small as you can. Um, from talking to a lot of people who we had that tiny house workshop and we had like a few volunteers that already had tiny houses. So most of them were saying that they were really scared of small spaces. But um, now that they build their tiny house, they were like, I could have gone smaller. Like, I, I actually don't need that much space. Um, and I had a, originally like a quite big design in my head and I just went really, really small. So my tiny house is five meters long by 3.1. And it's uh, 3.1 is like the max you can have for the road. Uh, and I just wanted like a house that feels a bit more like a square, um, not really a rectangle. Uh, but that's just like what you like, really, like what's aesthetic for you and what you feel good in. You just have to think about the shape. Like it's the same for the shape of the roof. Some people really like, um, you know, those gable roof. Uh, I found I don't like angles or calculation or math. So I thought I would just go for a mono pitch. So it's literally just a little angle of three degrees for your roof for the water to go um, down properly and not stay on your roof. And that was it. I was like, this is the only thing I'm going to do. I'm going to build a square and it's going to be really boring, but it's going to be easy-ish. And yeah, again, I don't have a loft because I was like, I'm going to have to spend money on a, um, a scaffold if I do that. So just one level, very small. And I felt like it was more achievable. That's probably why I didn't cry when I was building my tiny house. If I was going bigger, it would be harder. But again, like it's it, one tiny house. If I want a bigger one, I can maybe b- build a bigger one. But I thought for a first project, I didn't want to be too, too ambitious. So it's pretty small, but it, it's got everything you want. And if you design it for you, it doesn't matter the size. It's just going to be exactly what you need for your everyday life. So it's small, but it's good. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, bigger is not always necessarily better anyway. And I'd imagine that you spend a fair bit of time outside your home. You're not always inside. So I think it's, yeah, it's something to be said for just designing your house and your life, for you know, what you want to have in the space and then where you spend most time every day and what's important to you. And it's really inspiring. And uh, I know that you've we, I mean, we talked about your different setups that you have for off-grid and you also mentioned before about self-sufficiency. So what other things have you built around the house on your land um, when it comes to being self-sufficient? 
I heard one of your podcasts uh, before and there was someone that was talking about tiny house, big shit. Yeah, I absolutely love it. So that's that's it. When you're self-sufficient, there's no minimalist lifestyle that you can go for. So I've got a big shit, um, which is basically my workshop. And I build all sorts of things. I try to build like a little dick with pallets um, because at the time, that's what I had as material. I made an outdoor bath which is questionable as well um and uh a composting toilet so all it's just um it's a lot of building I was just trying out things and playing with material and my tools really uh composting toilet outside because um again I also wanted to try composting toilet and when I'm always outside gardening and building things it's nice to not have to come back inside the house because it's quite a big property so midway through my house and the garden I was like why wouldn't I build like a composting toilet and try this out and see um how it goes but yes those are the few things I've I've been building but I've got many more and uh it's just really really hard to stop (laughs) (laughs) moving on to the next thing and the next thing what else can I what else can I create do you also have a veggie garden as well yeah, that's not going that great though, but I'm trying really hard. Um, if you want to be self-sufficient, I feel like you kind of have to grow your own food, but I am not that good at gardening. I don't know why there's so many things that are dying, but I've got heaps of things as well that I've been growing. It's just not as successful as I thought it would be. <laughs> I thought you just planted it and just water it from time to time, but there's so many things that go into it. And I think it's like a, this tiny house I spent a lot of time you know designing my tiny house and put a lot of love in it and I think for my garden I'm gonna have to do the same thing I'm probably gonna have to go to a permaculture course or something like this to try to um, be a bit more efficient and not just trying to plant something and hope it's gonna grow um, <laughs> probably a bit more to it but it's, it's it's again it's like a school of life I'm just um, trying out and seeing what works but doesn't work but um, it's it's so much fun you fail but you're like oh I'll try it I'll tr- I'm gonna try something else now but yeah I do have a garden and some chickens they're all fine the chickens uh, <laughs> <laughs> no one has died yet um, but yeah it's really really fun to um, experiment with just yeah like all the things that you can get on your land like I've got also an orchard um so I've got eggs every day I've got a few things from the garden every day as well and yeah it just feels feels so good but it is so much work (laughs) yeah and and I guess like the main thing is is that you started and it may be more work but I I'd also imagine that it would be really fulfilling you know to have that self-sufficiency that you don't need to look at outside sources like I think you mentioned something earlier on about I think it was in regards to water and it's like why would you outsource that responsibility to someone else and I think you can we can kind of apply that to to so many of these types of things right including our food system and you know obviously it depends on access and there's so many variables that go into it for different people's situations but again it's like if you can put in the little steps to, you know, create these small things that can help you be a little bit more self-sufficient every day or, you know, each yeah. year or whatever it might be. I think that's that's a really beautiful way to live, even if it is more work and even if there is a lot of mistakes here, you, you also learn a lot of lessons and then you expand your skills and capabilities to do more things than than maybe you thought you might be able to as well. And yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. really lovely to hear about. And I'm I'm curious as well, how did you find your parking space for your tiny house? 
uh, most people do the same thing. You make a pretty little flyer and then you go into a lot of little boxes and you uh, drop off, yeah, a, like a flyer with a picture of your house and what you're looking for around the area you want to live. So I did this heaps of streets um, in West Auckland, just drop off a lot of those flyers and also Facebook um, community pages. And I got a few um, responses and visited a few places. And there's that lovely um, couple who told me they just bought a new land and they would love to have a tiny house there. And there's an orchard and a garden already there. And if I wanted to have chicken, I could. So I was like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, this, is, this is where I want to be. And it's so beautiful. So, yeah, um, it was relatively easy. And I hope, I hope it's going to be easier and easier as tiny houses are getting a bit more mainstream that people would just um, leave on other people's land with a caravan or a tiny house or things like this and build a little bit of more of a community in different lands instead of being so just separated I guess like it's nice like tiny houses is kind of forcing you to be in a community because I'm on that land with my tiny house but on this land there's another couple of houses and we sharing the garden together and the orchard and we also have the shed so it kind of feels a little bit like a community already and it's really really nice you feel like you've got people around you and it's not just your neighbors that you never talk to. It does seem to be part of this reconnecting with community and the land and you know helping others care for the land that they're on especially if maybe not if buying your own land or if you don't know someone person you in your own life if that's not an option it's a really beautiful way to yeah to help someone else um you know have this win-win situation where you yeah. get to live on the land and and either pay a small amount or you work in exchange for, you know, being there and then, you know, helping out on the land too. And yeah, it's a win-win situation. Are you, would you be okay with sharing what your exchange is for the parking space? Oh, yes. So I'm just paying rent for the place. And so I've got, I had to pay for my own setup for the water tank, which I guess I can take when I leave. So I've got my water tank and I'm also renting the shed, which is a quite, it's a big space as well. And um, for that, I'm paying 160 a week, which is like reasonable for what you can find in Auckland. Um, If you want to go somewhere else in New Zealand, you probably pay between 50 and 150 or 200. But Mm. yeah, it's pretty it's usually pretty cheap, but yeah, Auckland is still a little bit expensive. I would pay, before West flooding, I would pay, I think, 180 like maybe three years ago for a flat in Auckland. It's still a certain amount, but um, yeah, it's nothing compared to what you would pay now for yeah. a flat somewhere in Auckland, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you get to have your own piece of land and all the things that you have on the land as well. I think that's, you know. That's that, true, yeah. yeah. How much and, you would pay for a house around this area? Um, no idea how much you would rent, but yeah. Yeah, totally. And I mean, the rental prices are going up. I'm, I'm sure it's the same over in, in yeah. New Zealand as it is in Australia, just for a regular apartment or a house or something too. And are you able to share what the overall cost of building your home was? Yes, yeah, so it was around, if if I count um, my solar system and my biodigester, it would be around, I'd say between 45,000, probably not 50,000, but 45 definitely. And then for the water tank and all that stuff, it's another like 4,000. It's quite expensive to catch your own water, I guess, um, and the pump and installing all of this. But yeah, cost of the um, the tiny house was around 45,000. 
I mean, that's great for everything that you have and what what yeah. you've what you've created, including I mean, including having the water tank and all of that. Wow, that's that's beautiful. And I guess it goes to show as well when you do do a lot of the work that yourself that you can cut a lot of the costs down too. Yeah, yeah, and recycling a lot of material that um that does help. You just have to know which costs are going to be quite big and see if there's any any way you could just find a secondhand option. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I want to switch gears here a little bit. So I know that you're currently doing at your uh, carpentry apprenticeship. Are you able to talk a bit more about that and what drew you to to want to um, go down that path? Yes. So um, that's why I'm saying like everything is so hard around here. It's because I still I'm trying to get like <laughs> my my certification in um, carpentry. So I'm like I still have to work. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was just here all day and just faff around and build stuff. Uh, I've been doing it for like a year and a half, my apprenticeship. So I've got another year and a half to go. And it's um, I'm building tiny houses as well, which is pretty cool. Still obsessed with tiny houses, as you can see. Building tiny houses all day. And um, I really, really love it. And in the weekend, I've got two other jobs that I love as well. One of them is a pole dance instructor. And the other one is I'm working in a community shed um, and we're working on teaching women how to use tools. And um, we just started. So for now, we're just teaching women how to um, use power tools. And then eventually we're going to have different projects like, I don't know, bedside table or things like this. Heaps of things that are coming up. There's so many projects that are really, really awesome coming up. And it's all about carpentry and and power tools in my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Did you have some other women help you build your tiny home as well that were interested in the building and the carpentry? Yes, yes. that's why that's why um it's it all started there, I think. So we I met two other women um that are passionate about woodworking as well. And now they are um both cabinet maker and we meet for dates again. We're working dates and we just um, <laughs> all do our own things but we kind of it's really nice to have a community of women we can just bounce ideas on so if I'm stuck with the design or something I'm trying to do I just have to talk to um Matilda and Myla um those are the two other women I'm often with and we just yeah we just find solution and it's really good and doing this I understood how important it was to I don't know have like support and a community for anything you do pretty much and out of nowhere, um, I met those two amazing women, Sarah and Nikki, who were starting a woman's shed and they wanted more people to teach. Yeah, we're just starting this and now we're all together in this new adventure trying to empower women to have their own, I don't know, crew to just do their um, woodworking together because how cool is that? Like you could just catch up with your friends and make a chair or I don't know, but I cable like shelves, fixing something. I just know like seeing all of those women with power tools at the end of the day using a skill saw or drop saw or drills, just just like there's just something in their eyes, you know, they're just like, wow, this is amazing. Like, and you feel really powerful as well. We're working on this at the moment and it's very, very exciting. Yeah, it's like a, it sounds like a new way to socialize, right? Rather than going yeah. down and getting a cup of coffee or like meeting up and building a chair or or some kind of uh, you know doing some kind of project. That's really cool. It sounds very very empowering, and I guess like on some level shifting this perception or the 
yeah, let's call it a perception of like women in carpentry or building and really showing that it that it can be done and it doesn't need to be a space where where it's mostly men that are doing it. So I think that's that's really really lovely to hear about and that you're able to you know call on those women to help you in your build as well. Yeah, it is it was a cool adventure but um I realized growing up that I had many like friends, female friends and we would just hang out and talk and have a good time, but there was no point in my life where we would just talk about ideas and do stuff um, or make things. I was when I was um, I started pole dancing um, many years ago, and with other women, you would like be in the studio and we would train together, or like it would be that community of women together. And then I realized how important it, it was to have something you do or a goal with other women. And this, it just I knew how important it would be to eventually teach woodworking to other women when I knew how important community is so any kind of any passion you have it's really really nice to have other women that you can do it with yeah that came up from there I'm probably gonna keep going in that path but um yeah having other people with the same values together it's so powerful yeah hopefully many more years of fun with a cool community yeah I love that and I think there's definitely something to be said for you know, women coming together and having shared values and being supportive and having this deeper understanding of each other and, you know, what um, what your passions are and, you know, we are stronger together. So I think it's, yeah, hopefully, you know, so many more of us get to experience that in, in our own ways. And I'm curious as well, you know, if, if someone's listening to this, maybe especially if it's a woman who has no building experience or knowledge, but they're curious about building their own tiny house. Maybe they feel a bit hesitant or unsure, or they don't feel like they're capable. Um, do you have anything to to say to them? Any kind of advice? If there is any community shed, um, not too far. If you're in Auckland, just come to the community shed in Auckland. But using power tools is the first first one. It's hard for women because also it's not that. If you're a man, I guess you grew up and maybe your dad or your uncle is teaching you that kind of stuff. But if you're a woman, it's not something you kind of have access to, I guess. But yeah, if you can or borrow someone else's tools, ask someone in your family to help you um, with a small project. But yeah, if you can join a community shed or a tiny house workshop, that would be the best. That would be really, really cool. But I hopefully in the in the future I really want to do this as well I would love to start a tiny house workshop where um women especially would join and they would see at least the theory and a little bit of the practical and all the things I think are essential for you to start and um and yeah eventually that's going to be out and maybe one day start a YouTube channel where I could just also teach um everyone else all the mistakes I've made um, <laughs> that would be also really really cool so I've got many projects but um my mission would be <laughs> to try to put the drill into every woman's hand because it's so so cool and you just don't even know what you're capable of until you um start doing something um like that so Hopefully, um, yeah, watch a YouTube video, pick up a drill and just start making a shelf, anything. <laughs> That's so good, putting a drill in every woman's hand. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. <laughs> we'll have to stay tuned. I guess like will you be sharing those kinds of things on your Instagram page and, and that type of thing? And, yeah, like as you said, maybe YouTube video videos down the track. 
Yeah, I would love to. I've got so yeah. many footage of um, me building my tiny house, what you call those time lapses. And I would oh, yeah. love to compile all of them together and actually um, get something out and then talk about all the mistakes and what to do, what not to do. So eventually it'll um, go out. I would love to, if I have a YouTube channel, I, I would love to call it Tiny Houses in a Big Shed, like you said yeah. before. I think that's such a good way of living your life. Yeah, eventually, I think it's going to be um, on my Instagram. And yeah, I just have to start this as well. Like I said, I should follow my own advice. I just started. Um, (laughs) But yes, it will be on um, some kind of social media sometimes. Yeah. Perfect. I think we're always ones to need to take our own advice or always the last ones to take our own advice, even when we're, you know, we know (laughs) what we need to do. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Really good advice, but for following them, it's another story. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And as we start to wrap up the conversation today, Marie, I would love to know from you, is there any or are there any misconceptions that you commonly hear about living in a tiny house? Building a tiny house is going to probably make you really happy and um, while you're building it, you're feeling like you align with your values a bit more and you... I don't know. It feels it feels like you've got a purpose, um, and you're doing something really, really good. But having a tiny house is not going to necessarily make you happy. Um, not that I thought it would, but you have to be happy before it as well. And having a tiny house because it was such a long time goal for me that I thought after building my tiny house I'll be happy for like life. But I'm like, oh, now I've got all of those other things that I need to do and all of those other projects. And I was a bit sad. that I was like, why am I not like super, super happy after this? And I just wanted to say like, it's such a massive goal and I was so happy building it. Then just work on as well, like you building yourself a lifestyles and you trying to be aligned with your values. Just also work on enjoying the moment and be happy with your life however it's going because you're doing something amazing and it's not the end um, of that chapter and just having this massive goal is not going to solve other problems in your life but um, it's going to be an amazing journey but just try to also you know take the time to actually find happiness as you go. Yeah, it's uh it's an internal job, isn't it? It's not it's not found externally. Yeah. I don't know if it's a good advice, but I just for all of those tiny house people, just they look really happy. They I'm happy as well. <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> feel like I'm a sad person. They all look so, so happy and we're always pumped to talk about our tiny house. So we look extremely happy when we talk about it. We all have a normal life and after you build your tiny house, like life is going as per usual and yeah, you just have to be careful. You're building your lifestyle um, and it's amazing. But yeah, happiness or joy, I guess it's something else. And, you know, you just, it's something that you have to work along the way. It's not when you've got like the job of your dream or whatever that you're actually going to be happy. And I find that um, it's a bit, a bit misleading when I um, hear all of those happy people have tiny houses um and we are really happy to have achieved this amazing thing but it is something that I just want people to be aware of like just work on it now it's not going to solve many many problems but it is an amazing journey (laughs) I don't know if it's a good advice but but it's it's so true right like I what like what I'm hearing you say of course moving towards this lifestyle living in a tiny house 
it can make you happy on some level as in like, okay, you're living a more simplified life and you're in nature and all of that. However, it's not the thing that's going to solve all your problems. And, you know, the happiness comes from the inside rather than having this something that you obtain from the outside, like a tiny house. So yes, it can like bring you more into alignment with what's most true for you and how you want to live. But your happiness is still something that uh, comes from the inside. And, you you know, you're still going to have days where you have a really bad day or you're going through something really challenging, even though you are living in your tiny house. So it's not like a, a something that solves all of your problems. So, yeah, it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. It's, I, I guess, you're, you're still going to go through your life, but you're just doing it in a different place, in a different yeah. way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I know, and, and you know, often what we see on social media and all of that, uh, a lot of the highlight reels too, right? So it's cool to kind of get that inside experience and that real life, realist point of view, I suppose. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just something I, I I see all the time, and I'm like, oh, uh, I just sometimes I feel like I just don't want people to think that once they've got a tiny house, life is going to be perfect and their life is going to be so simple and easy. Um, It is a big change and it's amazing, but it is, yeah, just, yeah. I, I guess it's what you said. It's like the danger of um social media. Like you see something and it looks amazing and shiny and you're like, yeah, I'm going to be so happy once I've got my tiny house. But yeah, it is something that it's just life keep going and you just yeah you just have to whatever you learn during your tiny house building I guess like resilience and enjoying the 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 small moment of joy when you achieve something just try to keep that in mind and keep going um with this because it was I learned so many lessons but I tend to forget them now and I just I guess I'm gonna have to build another tiny house to um be happy but um (laughs) I just it's just that you you've got so much like adrenaline from like one day you finish your your um your day and you've got like an entire frame or you like you know there's a big step you've got your floor you're like pumping for three days you're like yes I've done this and then when it stops you've got your house and you're really happy but it's like life keep going and you have like that next project and next projects, but it's not suddenly rainbows and, and butterfly at the end of it. It's just really, um, it's just normal life, but yeah. Yeah. Life keeps happening. And wasn't it you that said in your living big in a tiny house video, a hundred bad days are a hundred good stories. Yeah. that's true. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of just, you know, coming to my friends and be like, you just let me tell you this story what happened what happened to me today (laughs) it's a good one so I'm a big fan of this I think I heard it in a song one day and I'm like oh my god this is my new mantra for the rest of my life you know if nothing bad happens to you not I guess not too bad but if you don't have any funny story to tell like it's yeah it's not really interesting so I love when something bad happened to me but it's going to be a good story can't be too bad but (laughs) it's like if you can laugh about it like at some point <laughs> then it's it's okay <laughs> exactly exactly no it really resonated with me when when I heard you say it too and I often think that you know maybe in the moment it doesn't doesn't seem like it's such a great thing but then on the other side as you say you can laugh about it you can take away lessons and experiences and then you've always got a good story to tell your friends or your family so that's you know that's there's something to be said for that And uh, Marie, are you able to let everyone know where they can come and find and connect with you online? Yes. So I've got my Instagram. It's probably the easiest to contact me if anyone has, anyone wants to come and help me. (laughs) 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 Yeah, just grow some tomatoes. Um, (laughs) My Instagram is just my name. So it's Marie, M-A-R-I-E underscore Beringer. It's B-E-R-I-N-G-E-R. 
I think my profile is public, so you can just, if anyone wants to message me or ask any questions, then they're welcome to, because this is what I want to do for the future, just really helping people building their own tiny houses. It'll be a dream. Well, I will put your details in the show notes for anyone that wants to check you out and you can find those show notes at tinyhousecompensations.com. So Marie, thank you so much for your time today and thank you for you know sharing so generously with your stories and your experiences and the laughs. I really appreciate you being here. So thanks again. Thank you so much, Lucia. I love your podcast and um, thank you for allowing me to talk about myself for an hour. My pleasure. And If you're listening to us at home, thank you so much for being here as well. Stay tuned every Thursday for new episodes of Tiny House Conversations and I'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening and if you enjoyed the conversation today, you found it valuable and you want to support the podcast, the best way you can do that is to share the love. That way I can keep bringing you more tiny house conversations to help you on your own tiny journey. So here are three ways that you can support the podcast. Number one, if you have a friend or family member that you feel would benefit from hearing these conversations, feel free to share it with them, email them, text them, send them a telegram, do whatever you need to do to share it with them. Number two, if you hit the subscribe button, you'll know exactly when the next episode is live. And number three, if you head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to podcasts and leave a five-star rating and review. Thank you so much in advance. I appreciate you and I'll see you in the next episode.